Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Hey, Boiling Pointers. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Before we start, Dave and I want to let you know all about our Boiling Point Process online courses, live events, and masterminds. After interviewing hundreds of leaders, we've packaged a ton of knowledge together to serve up to you. Info that will help you and your company be heard in a very noisy marketplace. So visit www.boilingpointprocess.com and sign up for the email newsletter and we'll let you know when our next cohort or event is. Thanks also for supporting The Boiling Point by subscribing to us on iTunes and also leaving a rating for us. And the door slams. Dan- <laughs> Dave, we are back at The Boiling Point. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing... <laughs> Amazing. Dave, get off your telephone. I know. I'm just finishing up What the up, heck uh, are you doing, stuff. man? Let's, just, let's go. We're rolling. Hey, listen. <laughs> we, we've had a bunch of wacky things happen and t- um, that don't typically happen. And um, and so we're just kind of rolling with it. And thankfully, we got these amazing guests rolling with it with us. Yeah, we had a couple techni- technological issues uh, before, but we are we, now We, we haven't rocking. completely resolved, though. Um, but we it, got we got like one earphone yeah, on, that's true. one off the ear, so we can hear each other. No, no, but speaking it's of, still going to be awesome. Speaking of tell. technical issues, um, my house is uh, is uh, it's getting there. I just went to visit it before coming here, and um, uh, interestingly enough, uh, my my dear friend and our guest on uh, the episode today was just asking about the updates of my house. So before I do that, why don't we bring in? Karen Tumulty into the podcast booth. Karen, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. And and you were just telling us that New York, it's kind of lovely there right now. What can, can it you tell? It is a beautiful spring day in February right now. I'm sitting outside Grayson with the sun on my face, no jacket, t-shirt. It's gorgeous. Oh my gosh, that is incredible. Now, so so Dave, mind you, it was minus six. On Friday, <laughs> Thursday, I came to work looking like an extra from Annie. I had so many clothes on. <laughs> it was so cold. Now, so, is, is anybody still questioning if climate change is real? That's the first question. <laughs> uh, I, I believe there are a few people, particularly in power, who are questioning whether climate change is real. But <laughs> we, we've got a, we're we're going to have a fantastic, beautiful climate. I remember hearing that quote from somebody south of the border. Um, so so yeah. Dave, Karen is the Community and Cultural Development Manager at, at Grayson Bakery, which if you have ever tasted some... In, in fact, b- before I tease you <laughs> with, uh, with their incredible <laughs> products... Maybe I should let Karen in, in, introduce Grayston because uh, I think I, a, I get I get a I little excited a great about idea. this yeah, stuff. He is getting excited, so I'm a little <laughs> worried about what's going to come out of his okay, mouth. Okay, so Karen, g- give us the rundown, just straight up about Grayston first before we dive into the incredible community work that you guys are doing. Sure, Grayston is um, Grayston is a lot of things. So Grayston, the the whole organization has a few different components to it. The first is Grayston Bakery. Um, which is a commercial for-profit business where we practice something called open hiring, which we'll get into in a couple of minutes. Um, We think it's the way of the future. Um, Grayson is also the center for open hiring 
which is where we work in the, you know, in, in the social issues that contribute to people being thriving employees and therefore thriving members of their community. So we've got different trainings that go on. We have different social services that go on there. <laughs> and then we have a component of that, of the Center for Open Hiring, that consults with other companies on how to change their hiring practices, um, that works on research, um, development of programs, that sort of work, so that we can take this to scale. So that's my nickel version. Uh, I love it. <laughs> so how, what's the so so Karen, if I may, what's the connection? How how do you and Greg know each other? Because I'm always I'm always curious about I, I these see connections. If Karen remembers. Yeah, yeah. I do remember. We met at a B Corp party downtown in a really cool house. Um, that it was it was like a, a carriage house. Yeah, it was Johnny Depp's old, old uh, carriage house. You know, downtown New York mansion, and we hit it off immediately. And we drank wine. Yes, we did, and we ate brownies. And brownies and uh, cheese. <laughs> yeah. So listen, yeah. every great friendship starts that way. So, uh, so uh, Karen is deeply involved in uh, in the B Corp world and the social venture. Uh, well, what we used to call the social right. venture network. Now it's called the social venture circle, Dave. Uh, just uh, for mm-hmm. for updates, that brand change just happened recently. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, whenever we uh, get together in, in these events, Karen is uh, is uh, is ready for a big hug and is amazing. And uh, truly, what wow, you guys so are doing sweet. at Grayston, Karen, is so inspiring to me. That now you know, having so is a small company. You know, we've been as mm-hmm. large as fourteen people, but our our average size is you know seven full time employees. So we don't have necessarily. We're not at scale to the point where you folks are, where you you actually need a large labor force to produce the uh, the product that you guys make. Um, you've got this very unique position in the market to be able to help people essentially get their lives mm-hmm. back through employment. Um, right. Yeah. Do, do you want to talk about the social enterprise heart of? Grayson? Yeah, I would love to. It's my favorite thing to do. So, Grayson Bakery um, practices something called open hiring. So just to give you a tiny bit of background, we were founded by a Zen Buddhist master, a gentleman named Bernie Glassman, who was leading. He was a teacher. He had a group of students that he lived with just south of us in the Bronx called the Zen Community of New York. And they started Grayson Bakery basically to support themselves and realized super quickly that that right livelihood of their practice could intersect beautifully with their social justice work. And they just started offering people jobs with no questions asked. We'll give you a job. We believe you can do it. We're not concerned about where you were before. We are just concerned about where you are right now. And if you want to be here baking with us, you're in. And that, it wasn't even called open hiring them. But that has now grown into, a Grayson Bakery is a very successful business. Um, we have right now about 85 of what we would consider our open hire employees. People who just came, put their name on the list, and when we had a job, we gave it to them. Can you fill out a, you know, your, your paperwork? That's all you need to be able to do to work at Grayson Bakery. Um, you know, have, have all your documentation. And from there, let's see where we're going to go. So we're making, right now, this time of year, about 35,000 pounds. Wait, it's so hard to say sometimes. 35,000 pounds of brownies every day. Oh, um, gosh. I know, right? Like you guys have to come for a tour someday because you have not lived until you have seen an eight hundred pound bowl of brownie batter. Oh my gosh! Well, Karen, is the answer is yes. I'm coming down to to visit, and you got to promise me for the tour. We get we got to do this. Absolutely, absolutely, because it is very much a sight to see. 
um, especially when you see the people who are working there and you see how connected they are to their work, um, how good they are at what they do, um, and how loyal they are to the products that we're making and to each other as team members. And then that leads into them being loyal to the company. And um, uh, and they're terrific. Karen, what are some of the... Um the skeptics saying about this sort of um, strategy, for example, well, what if they don't work out as an example, you know, like like, what what are some, some of the fears around taking a big step like that for other uh, companies of your size? So that's a great question. Um, So the first one that you asked, what if they don't work out um, is very, very simple. They get fired. You have to do the job. We, We don't promise you a career, we promise you the opportunity for you to take on a career, right? Incredible. And it's, 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 it's first it's come, subtlety. first serve too, right? Like you get on the list. You get on the list. Within a few months, you generally get called and then you get the job. Now it's your job to do that job and to do things like be on time, be at work when you're supposed to be at work, um, you know, not, not calling out, following instructions, following the recipes as it were in so many different ways. And if you do that, you're going to do great. And if you don't, then we have to move you on and make room for somebody else who is going to do that. Now, that doesn't mean that we kick you to the curb. Not everybody's ready for it right away. So sometimes we refer people up to workforce development. Sometimes they just get a different job because now they know they can. You know, they believe that they can, um, which helps. And sometimes people come back. We have one of our employees right now who's fantastic, who's a real leader, I think he's even our shop steward right now. It took him five tries to succeed. But once he did, he went big. Oh, that's so cool. And that was kind of my next question was, um, what are some of those special stories of impact that have, that have come out of this? Like, it must be really touching for you to, to see people's lives transformed by just having the ability to have a job. So to start with, that is one of the beautiful things about working at Grayson. You know, I've worked in a lot of nonprofits. Um, not a lot, but I've worked in enough nonprofits and businesses that... Um, your 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 mission as a nonprofit or your product as a for-profit, there's always an element of distance between you and them, right? I work in environmental work. I'm not the river. So the river's going to, we're going to clean up the river, let's just say, and that'll be great. But I don't have the, I don't, I can't sit down and now have a conversation with the river, right? <laughs> At Grayson, when, once people come in and they start to transform their own lives, they're transforming my life as well because my, my group of friends, my social network, my professional network expands exponentially um, for each person that comes in because now it's not just Greg, it's Greg and Dave who are part of my social network, right? Mm. So Greg got a job, um, but, but Dave was, was there for all the picnics and we all started talking. So it takes me... Um, personally out of my own you know we all we all live in bubbles everybody lives in bubble let's not pretend that there's no way anybody can have all of the experience in the world it's just impossible but we can make our bubbles a lot bigger so as for me personally working at Grayson that's been an amazing experience um but also for the people who work at Grayson you know we we talk about path and path making at Grayson a lot um, very simple. People are on a path in life and I'm not going to tell you what your path is. I'm not pushing you. We're pulling you along your path. What we're trying to do really with path making is illuminate the landscape 
around someone's life so that when they come to intersections on their path or they're making decisions, they're coming from the most available resources that are there. So I'll tell you a story that always gets me every time. Um, we have a, uh, two people working at the bakery who were a couple, and it, we found out that they were homeless. Um, we, we do have somebody at the bakery who's the title is her, she's a care coordinator. She works in the pathmaking center and her job is to help people find those resources for them to use. Um, very simply put, um, you know, she does amazing work, but she was able to connect with the employees, get them in a position where they could get an apartment, um, help them work through that whole system. Now, people who have experienced homelessness don't have the confidence in a home that somebody who's never experienced it. And the, the potential for that other shoe to drop is always there. So there's always a little um, tentativeness about it. So about a year later, I got a call from Dion, who's one of our supervisors, um, who's a great guy. It was, you know, like Sunday afternoon. And Dion said, Miss Karen, you know, you got to help me. we got to find kittens. And I'm the crazy cat lady as well. So <laughs> I found kittens. I, you know, called, you know, you throw it on Facebook. Everybody's, oh, I know where we can get kittens. And I drove up to a village called Irvington. It's about 20 minutes north of here, 15, 20 minutes. Picked up this kitten. It was a dark and stormy night like they write about. Pitch black at 4.30 in the afternoon, pouring rain. I get this kitten in the box in the car. The kitten screams all the way down at Southwest Yonkers. I'm trying to sue them while I'm trying to drive. And I meet up with Dion to drop the kitten off. It was like the French Connection, like handing off the box, handing off bags <laughs> and stuff, the whole nine yards. And then, I, and then I drove home. And as I was driving home, I had to actually stop and pull the car over because I burst into tears. Because in that moment, I realized that my friends and my colleagues who were not confident in their housing before were now so confident that they had a home that they were actually bringing another living thing into that home to care for. Nice. That's a really, I mean, it sounds so small, but it's so moving. And we see that every single day with our employees. I don't, I, no, I don't think that, I think that sounds massive actually, personally, yeah, as yeah, you share absolutely. that story. So it yeah. doesn't, so it doesn't strike me as a small thing at all because. Yeah. It um, was just amazing. Yeah. I mean, the significance of that is, you know, and, and I never even, th you know, and, and I, and I have the luxury and the privilege, we talk about privilege in a couple of mm -hmm. uh, podcasts yep. ago of not totally understanding the complexity of homelessness in, you know, so that's, right. so I appreciate you bringing that to. Our, our like just our awareness, you know, because I never yeah. I never thought that through. Um, so I my question, like, here's an interesting thing. So this this open hiring is not this is mm -hmm. not a new thing. It's been around for 35 years. I understand it's a it's a proven yep, model. 37. 37. Okay, so that yep. so for the skeptics out there, they should they, you can point to that. Um, you know, and, yep. and, as there would be. It's not um, like this is open hiring is only five years younger than me, Dave. That is um, wow. That's, I'm just I'm just trying to process that, Greg. That's <laughs> um, but he, so a couple things I was thinking of as I was listening to you, Karen. Um, first thing is, uh, you know, as you tell the story, I mean, customers must feel good about eating those brownies because they're no what they're supporting feel good about eating them. But that's not our only customers. There are people who just like them because they're really good brownies. Um, we do all line with Whole Foods. Yeah. Um, we do a line for Delta Airlines. And I, I mean, I think to a certain extent, still, people are buying permission when they go to a store like Whole Foods. But there's also um, a, a bit of an eliteness, you know, that it is a status symbol to shop at Whole Foods as well. 
So I don't, I, I don't necessarily think that every single person who's shopping in Whole Foods is looking for a mission-based product. Um, on Delta Airlines, it's what they offer. So the people who are buying an airline ticket certainly aren't looking for a mission-based product, but people love them. And part of the reason that our products are so good is that if we're going to put out to the world that we believe in the excellence of our employees and that everybody has the ability to achieve that excellence, we have to give them an excellent product to make. That giving them anything less is unacceptable. Right on. Well, um, and, yeah, and, man, it's really cool. Well, I know, no, I was just, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, I guess it, it just occurred to me that I don't know if anyone would take a, a subpar product, but if you buy something and it happens to be amazing, as the brownies that right. I have not tasted yet, I mean, maybe I have on a Delta. You definitely have. I, you've you've, you've had probably, some brownies. Yeah. For okay. Sure. So so you know, and to know that not only this amazing product also has this amazing mission and is impacting people. Mm. I mean, that just makes life. I mean, just even so much better, right? In terms of yeah. just yeah. because. I, I always yeah. find as I'm enjoying, you know, whatever. I'm always, you know, in the back of your mind, you're just, you're well, just. Coffee's you, a great example. You don't want, you want to like, know it's. If it's you're like, not on Tim Hortons coffee, uh, you're, you're, you're like, first of all, that's not coffee; it's battery acid. But outside of that, um, there's no story behind that. But there might right. be a coffee down the street that's got fair trade organic, and you actually know that the supplier has a direct relationship with the farmers. You well, know, like like the that, coffee that I just yeah. enjoyed from Rogue Coffee just around the corner. Um, here's the other question I have for you, Karen, and it's and this is like there's this real so I'm I'm I have a company called Vision Coaching and we support leadership development and there's a, this real push in the business community um, and really and I'm so thankful to see what's happening around around diversity and and inclusiveness and and the the value mm. and the importance of it for for the bottom line and and for a whole bunch of other reasons and one of the things I was when I was looking at your bio was I was I wanted to ask you about you know this idea of developing culturally appropriate training and. Can you shed some light on that? Because I, I think that's sure, so, important. so important. Um, I'll give you a great example. Uh, I, you know, I, I actually used to do the HR at the human resources at the bakery. So I dealt um, with orientation um, for our new employees. When everybody starts, you know, they come in as sort of as a small group and then they have a day of orientation. And we, you know, we, we do a lot of different trainings in that around both the hard skills of working at the bakery, but also just the, the general soft skills of having a job, because for a lot of people, this may not be their first job, but it may be their first legal job. And for a lot of people, it's their very first job. So we, we go through a lot of different things. One of the things that we train to is, is you know, handling workforce conflict. I can go out anywhere and buy a DVD of Patty and Peggy in pink bow blouses arguing over whose turn it is the photocopier, which will speak to workforce conflict. For my employees, it's meaningless because they don't, they have no connection into the, that kind of a working relationship. So I found um, Geico, one of our big auto insurers in the U.S., um, they had a commercial that had people working on a food production line. And in the middle of the food production line, there was a goat creating chaos. <laughs> and one of, the, one of the women is going to fight the goat. She's taking her glasses off and her earrings off. And the whole thing goes on. And we would watch the commercial and everybody would laugh. And one of the other things that I had learned was re- the word respect has different meanings in a lot of different contexts for a lot of different people. So what you might think of respect is different for um, a, just this person from a different culture or from a different background. Yeah. So avoiding words like that, we made it about outcomes 
Um, so what do you think the outcome is going to be? So we would watch the commercial and then everybody would laugh. And then we'd, I'd say, okay, so who was the first person in this commercial who wasn't thinking about outcomes? And people would get into it. Oh, well, the manager who hired that goat. Okay. So, and we would go through the whole thing. And, you know, so what, what should have happened there with the woman who, who was going to fight him? Well, she should have gotten fired. Well, maybe yes, maybe no. Maybe she doesn't have a history of doing anything like that. And she stopped herself. Maybe she should get suspended. Or maybe she should get a write-up. The, you know, different people's behaviors and their history are going to impact the consequences mm. for them. And then, amazingly, people would start talking about like self-identifying and saying, well, the goat's being completely insubordinate because it's, it's bleeding at the boss while the boss is telling it to stop. So it was just taking something out of a traditional business context and putting it in a pop culture context um, so that people could relate to it. Everybody had seen that commercial on TV a million times already. Um, so it was very relatable. There was nothing in it alien um, in terms of office style, um, you know, anything that, that they might have a moment trying to figure out how to connect with. Or say, I'm going to be working on a brownie production line. I'm not going to be standing in a photocopier. So that's what I thought about when we talked about creating, you know, culturally appropriate trainings that's, and making sure that there, there, there are trainings that people are actually going to resonate with. Right. Yeah. We've all been to trainings that you get out of and you're like, what just happened? <laughs> like I retained absolutely nothing out of that because it was meaningless. Right. Right. What are you hearing from people when they come in? Um, you know, in terms of their own maybe internal barriers to, you know, kind of what their perception of their worthiness or, or you know, to, a, mm-hmm. to an employment situation. Do you, do you, like, is there, are there themes that you, you run across? I'm just curious because... Um, yeah, the theme that we run across every time is that they're, they're, they are all trying to get jobs and people are just saying no for whatever reason. And Greg, I think this goes back, also circles back to... When you said, like, what, you know, what do people see as their barrier to it? We don't ask people anything, but our employees tend to be very open with us. So I know that at any given time, about 60% of our employees have had some sort of interaction with the criminal justice system, right? Mm-hmm. If that's on your, in your background, you are likely, very, very, very likely to get a resounding no. It, it is common practice in the United States to be um, criminal background checks on everyone, and it is to me, it is such a a, a false indicator mm-hmm. because the only person you're learning anything about is the person who failed it, right? That's Good right. Point. So you're excluding that. You're excluding that from your that person from your pool of, of potential employees, and you somehow believe there's this mythology that you believe that the people who are remaining are somehow better, but you really don't have any indicator that they are. Um, when you look at the criminal justice system in the United States and you lay underneath that all of the, the pieces around gender, race, income, it's a much deeper well. So, you know, if uh, we know, and there's data to back it up, that if a black man and a white man get arrested for the same offense with the exact same background, the same history, the black man is more likely to go to jail. And, and thus have a criminal background, where the white man is, is less likely to actually go to jail and therefore won't have a criminal background, even though they've both done the same thing. So the criminal background check 
doesn't take that into account. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take into account that the people that you have left standing there, you know, like if you, if the guy you just excluded was a drug dealer, that woman standing there who you're going to hire could very well have been his supplier. Um, but she's white and she's upper class, um, you know, socioeconomically. W- w- so, which obviously is what continues to keep those structures of oppression uh, alive and well, you know. And yep, exactly. like, e- even looking at, um, you know, uh, post-slavery days, you know, uh, you know, and things that mm-hmm. I've been learning about incarceration in the U.S., about, you know, h- how easy it would be to get um, uh, African-Americans back into those labor camps through yeah through entering back into the, into the prison system where you lose your human rights in, uh, back in those days in prison and that yeah, yeah. it's almost like we're still dealing with that is that you know I'm just a, a well, ignorant Canadian talking right prisons. now but you know we're, we we have for profit prisons yep um what does that speak to it is keeping people incarcerated so that somebody can make a profit off of them um so when it comes to hiring you know, that is a huge barrier to employment for, for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. In Southwest Yonkers, where we are, we have a thousand people coming home from jail every year looking for jobs. So the reality of it is most people coming out of jail right now are coming out on drug charges. They're not coming out on, on violent crimes. Um, and if there was violence, it's generally a tool of the trade less than an indicator that that's a violent person, mm-hmm. right? You can you can be a vegetarian and work in a deli, yeah. right? So you're exposed to meat and you're selling meat all day long. Um, it doesn't change the fact that you're a vegetarian. You're just doing what your job requires. Mm-hmm. So there's that piece of it. Um, most of the people coming out of jail were successful drug dealers. So they actually have business skills. Right. You know, they understand inventory and receivables and payables and how they all relate, but they're presented in the United States as, as being almost less than zero skills um, and, and, and a huge, huge, huge risk. Um, and the reality is most people just want to get by in a day. They want to feed their family. They want a roof over their head. They want to be safe. Um, having a job is part of that. So, particularly around the criminal justice stuff, where you asked a question before, and that is a question, and I can always tell when somebody's going to ask it by the look on their face, so I always just bring it up myself. You know, people will say, like, aren't you afraid? <laughs> aren't you afraid that somebody's going to, you know, kill you or do something? No, I'm not at all, because my, my coworkers are here to work. We probably have less incidents of, you know, employee conflict than a lot of other places do we've had incidences of our employees being victims of violence in our community but never on our production floor we don't have a big theft problem all of these things that people assume that somebody's going to come in there and like rip the place up it just never happened you know our insurance is the same as everybody else's insurance and we're you know there we're rated on it like everybody else's do you know what you know it's it's just coming to my my mind i i did some uh when I lived in Vancouver in my 20s, mm-hmm. Vancouver, Canada, I worked with uh, supporting young offenders transition into home environment, uh, like a foster home or back into their family. And um, mm-hmm. and I, I made a practice of, you know, so you, and it was almost like you'd become kind of like a big brother sort of thing, but you, you know, you had a responsibility to help support their, their transition and it could take a whole bunch of forms. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm yeah. what I learned early on was it's probably smarter 
Not and now the only thing I would want to know if there's some sexual offense I need to be aware of, you know, because I'm expo- you know, I'm oh. with this person in the community. I want to make sure I keep the community and this person safe. But outside of that, I just didn't really ask any questions. And and um, and they it was you know like and I would run across um, friends when I'd bring them to the gym that were corrections officers and would recognize them. And they would say, my God, don't let yeah. that person near your home. And they, you know, they, they literally were seeing them in a particular light in a particular mm-hmm. environment. And uh, I never had an issue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, right. I, I hear you. And I, you know what I mean? Like um, our, our past doesn't equal our future necessarily. And exactly. Um, and, um, and, and at the same time, I, um, you know, you see why people put the criminal background checks in place, but you just wonder how much they've thought through what you pointed out, Karen, which is right. does, what does that leave you with in your pool? Does that yeah. see, do you have a more talented pool right. now? And <laughs> so that's 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 so cool. And I, I just I like going back to this fact that you've been this is this is, didn't start six months ago. This is 37 years. So you you've got a right. track record. So what a beautiful philosophy. Mm, and, and it must be so. um I don't know. Just, I mean, sound, I mean, I can tell from the stories you're sharing with us that you have a lot of passion for this. Um, and do you, are there any like do the organizations reach out to you to learn more about open hiring? I mean, is there people trying <laughs> on to on a daily basis? Okay, um, that's that one of the it? reasons that we organize around the Center for Open Hiring is because we we get calls every day from people saying, "Can you teach us how to do this?" And here's the kicker: um, this is almost always my favorite part. The what everything that we do sounds very nice, right? This is oh my god, that's cool. They do that. That so, sounds so nice. It's also I can make a rock solid business argument for every single thing that we do. Yeah. So for everybody who is investing their money in excluding people from the workforce by things like criminal background checks or um, you know job applications where we're going to take out anybody who doesn't have a high school diploma things like that, we're investing money instead in including them. And it costs a lot less. It costs a whole lot oh, less. Oh, man, and like, business, that's such an attractive... That down effect. That's such an attractive value proposition. And it's like... But it's incredible that it, it's... What, uh, Karen said something early on, which I thought was really important. Karen, when you said, you know, just because we give everyone a chance you know, means, but they have to do the job, you know, or, or else we right. have to open to someone else. And I think... I wonder if people just look at it too black and white. Oh, you just open up a job to everyone so they have a job no matter what. And you're saying, no, actually, that's not the mm. case, right? And that doesn't mean we kick right. them to the curb either, is what you, you shared with us. Um, so to me, it's, it's um, I think it sounds very pragmatic. It is very pragmatic um, and very nice at the same time. And, you can, um, and, and both can exist at the same easy time. It's to be nice. Both can exist at the same time. You can be, you can be nice and exactly. pragmatic. Yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, I've been thinking about this a lot as well. It takes a lot of energy not to be nice. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah, being nice is easy. It's simple. It does. <laughs> right, Dave? Um, nice I, I, I believe so. It's a lot more fun. You end up on things like this when you're nice. Right. Exactly. Um, well, um, you know, Karen, we're, we're coming up to the end of our, our, our podcast, but I um, legitimately want to come down and see the facility. I will be within the next four to six weeks. I'll be back in New York. Um, oh, great. Really hope that we can uh, line it up and uh that would be wonderful. And in the meantime, go out, pick up a pint of Ben and Jerry's chocolate fudge brownie ice cream or a pint of half baked. You can have our brownies there anytime. Um, I'd love to talk more about it if, uh, when you come and introduce you to some of my cool colleagues. 
before we let you go, Karen, like I, there's guaranteed we're sure. going to have listeners who want to learn more. So, so how do they learn more? How can they be part of this? How can they contribute or, or um, just, just be educated? Oh, there's a bunch of ways they can do that. First of all, they can share this podcast with their friends. Ah, very um, nice. They can visit our website at www.graceton. It's G-R-E-Y-S-T-O-N.com. Um, they can, on our website, you can order brownies from our, our for-profit side. Or if you're so inclined, you can you can support our nonprofit work um, and help us fund that. And you can go out and start doing open hiring yourself. You can find find one job that it. you'll just take the next person for. Oh, this is so good. Such a good challenge. Karen, thank you so much for your generous time today. Thank you for having me. This was super fun. Awesome. We'll talk with you soon. See you, Karen. Thank you. Talk soon. Bye. Okay. Bye bye. I just I just love the um the the cool people I've been able to meet. Do you know who she reminds me of? Who's that? Um, and this is just for you and I, but Amy Rupert. Yes, like very just much. How she talks and yeah, and Amy Amy is a uh, a, ex- a master certified executive coach that we had in the podcast a while back, and just just that very sounds so. I was just I was almost felt like I was talking to Amy when we, it was Karen. We should, and the two of them have very similar personalities. We should get those two together. Yeah, actually. Uh, <laughs> that, well, because awesome. and 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 she would you know Amy would love this open open hiring concept. So um, you know what's really cool is Grayston. Did she say it was it was founded by like a, a Zen Buddhist, Buddhist a Zen Buddhist like. Yeah. That, you know, I love hearing, you know, that's where you, you go, man, you know, business for good. Like, I know the big, the big, you know, you guys are in a big push as an ambassador. and But it, it really, like, it really does work. Yeah. You know? it's, and, and I can say it's it's easy to be kind and nice and, and find ways see, to help others. I just dis- I disagree. I actually... I be- I like to think see, I I believe that it takes energy to be good. Sometimes it's easier um, to be you know short with people and temperamental. And I, I actually disagree. I-, I I personally, it's easier for me to be, but I think some people have to work at. Oh, it. Oh no no, well, I'm and, talking about myself. Yeah, for example. like because I think it takes a lot of effort to not think kindly. <laughs> Like honestly, for, for you, me, for, for you, me. yeah, yeah. No, exactly. but I think a lot of people default the other way, Greg. I honestly oh, believe well, that, yeah. and 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 they, <laughs> they might have to like like it would be easier just you know, the person cuts them off in traffic to think you know well, terrible things. There? I you know you don't uh, give those people a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. No, I drive yeah. in New Brunswick primarily where there is no traffic. So well, today, you know how far I drove today. Yeah. In record like time. Was, like, I was going was, like did you run away. into one? Did you even have to pass no one car? I saw one cop car, <laughs> and oh. it was literally no, covered in I was snow. Just, I was just thinking cars in general. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> speaking of all like, this. And, and people should drive these highways. <laughs> they will go. They, you will if you're coming oh, yeah, from yeah, New York. You're coming from uh, or you're America. coming from Chicago. Or you're coming from you any, Toronto. You seeing another car. You, can, you will go, really? <laughs> I've got two lanes all to myself. It's amazing. Beautiful highway. Control. Where is everyone? Listen to the Bowling Point podcast. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, Karen's one of my favorite people uh, that I've met in the last number of years in this in this world. And it's so cool. Do you remember that when um, Julie and Zav and I were all part of putting this little party together yeah. at, at Johnny Depp's old car- carriage yeah, house where he used to that. live? So you met, you and met. that's and Karen was uh, was there, and that's where we got to meet. And Very um, cool. I think the uh, the lesson there too is anytime you go to these events, whatever they may be, a conference, a cocktail party, whatever. Make sure you talk to people and create relationships. And it kind of goes back to last week's episode 
um, with Dortea, just talking about making real, true, authentic relationships with people like uh, Karen and I. Like, I love seeing Karen in places, you know, and it's, uh, and think about the size and scale of, of the impact that the, that company is doing. Uh, a oh, lot right. of it under Karen's yeah. leadership, which yeah, is yeah. super duper. I love it. Cool, Dave. Well, you have a great one, man. We'll see you next week. And make sure, listeners, that you check out BoilingPointProcess.com. Uh, and Sign you, up. You, you can get it off the BoilingPointPodcast.com as well. Sign up for our email newsletter because we have a number of events and uh, also our online course uh, is uh, is being launched. So pop on. Be the first to hear uh, about the next steps on that. And it's really exciting. Yeah, Dave. And uh, no, I just wanted to say, I I think I think I need to find a signature way of 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 ending because I always, I, I you know I just and beginning as well. Well, I'm beginning, you're good at the beginning, so I just let you. I just listen and <laughs> wait till you hand it over to Rainsbow. What would be a good way to end off? What you can tell a joke? No, I can tell a joke. Yeah. No, we'll think about that one. Okay, all right. Two pe- two peanuts were walking across the street and uh, at night, and one peanut was a salted peanut. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That is good. My kids would like that. You can That's a dad joke. That is a dad joke. Well done. <laughs> All right, Dave. See ya. Yeah. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com. And on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, Visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.